Welcome to Jesus is the Voice of Truth. Cultivating a lifestyle of generosity will transform every aspect of your life, marriage, family, relationship, and your finances. Join Michael Montoya from Jesus for Life Ministries as he reveals the truth to experiencing God's abundance and grace every day. Welcome to Jesus is the Voice of Truth. Today we are going to be studying the new heaven, the new earth, and Jesus is coming. So turn your Bibles to Revelations chapter 21 to chapter 22, verses 21. This will be a conclusion to our study in Revelations. Okay, is everybody there? Let's start with chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there were no longer any sea. There was a question whether chapter 21 and 22 deal with the eternal state alone, or whether they alternate between the millennium and the eternal state. Since the millennium and eternity are similar in many ways, it is not surprising if they seem to merge at times in the writings of the Apostle John. Here the eternal state is called a new heaven and a new earth. There are not to be confused with the new heaven and the new earth described in Isaiah 65, 17-25. Let me read that to you. New heaven and new earth. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who dies but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered a curse. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruits. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will no longer work in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lamb will eat straw like the ox, and dusk will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. There the millennium is in view, because sin and death are still present. These will be completely excluded from the external state. Let's look at chapter 21, verses 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. John sees the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. The fact that it is never said to land on the earth leads some to see it hovering over the new earth. 
The fact that the names of the tribes of Israel are on the gates indicate the redeemed Israel will have access to the city, even if they are not part of the church. Let's look at chapter 21, verses 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now amongst the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. John hears an announcement from heaven that the tabernacle of God is with men and that he will dwell with them. As his people, they will enjoy communion with him closer than ever dreamed of. God himself will be with them and be their God in a nearer and dearer relationship. Let's look at Revelation chapter 21 verses 4 and 5. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be death, nor mourning, or crying, or pain. For the older order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. The expression, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, does not mean that there will be tears in heaven. It is poetic way of saying that there will not be, neither will there be death, nor sorrow, nor crying. For God's people, these will be forever ended. The one who sits on the throne will make all things new. His words are true and faithful and surely come to pass. Let's look at chapter 21, verses 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. The ushering in of the eternal state marks the conclusion of God's purposes for the earth on which we live. As Alpha and Omega are the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet, so He is the beginning and the end, the creator and the object of creation, the one who began and the one who finishes, the eternal one. It is he who gives the water of life, which is salvation, freely to whoever thirsts for it. Let's look at chapter 21, verse 7. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. It is he who blesses the overcomer with total inheritance and a new intimacy as between the Father and the Son. As mentioned previously, an overcomer is one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. By faith, he or she overcomes the world. Chapter 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immorals, those who practice magic art, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be reconsigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. But not all are overcomers. Some are cowardly, afraid to confess Christ, unbelieving, unwilling to trust the sinner's Savior. Sinners, all those who remain in their sin, whether guilty of gross iniquities, listed here or not, abdominal, given over to discussing immorality, murderers, malicious and savage killers, sexually immoral, practicing fornication and other forms of sexual sin. You got sorcerers, those who traffic with evil spirits, idolaters, insulting God by worshiping images, and all liars, compulsive deceivers. These will be assigned to the lake of fire as their final destiny. Let's look at chapter 21, verse 9. 
One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So one of the seven angels involved in the bowl judgments offered to give John a further, more detailed view of the new Jerusalem, which he called the bride, the Lamb's wife. This may mean that the city is the resident of the bride. Let's look at Revelations 21, verses 10 and 11. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of very precious jewels, like a jasper, clear as crystal, carried away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. John again saw Jerusalem descending out of heaven, radiant with the glory of God and sparkling like a costly gem. Let's look at Revelation chapter 21 verses 12 and 13. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates at least on the east, three on the north, and three on the south, and three on the west. It was surrounded by a massive wall in which were twelve gates, graced by twelve angels and bearing the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. Three gates faced each direction of the compass. The number 12 is used 21 times in this book and 7 times in this chapter. It is commonly understood to stand for government or administration. Let's look at chapter 21 verse 14. The wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. This may have references to the fact that they laid the foundation of the church and what they taught concerning Christ. Let's look at Revelations chapter 21, verses 15 and 16. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square. As long as it was wide, he measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadias in length and as wide and as high and as long. Whether shaped like a cube or a pyramid, it extended far beyond the bounds of restored Israel. Let's look at chapter 21, verse 17. The angel measured the walls using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was 144 cubits thick. The expression according to the measure of man, that is of an angel, means that the angel of verse 9 and 15 used units of measure employed by man. Chapter 21, verses 18, The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. The description of the wall, jasper, and the city, pure gold, while hard for us to visualize, is designed to create an image of magnificence and brilliance. In that, it succeeds. Revelation 21, 19, and 20, The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone, the first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a gate, and the fourth emerald. The fifth was onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth was turquoise, and the eleventh hesith, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve foundations were adorned with twelve precious stones, similar to those on the breastplate of the high priest that represents the twelve tribes of Israel. 
It is not possible to identify all the jewels with precision or determine their spiritual meaning. Let's look at chapter 21, 21. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. The twelve gates are twelve pearls. A reminder that the church is the pearl of great price for which the Savior sold all that he had. The street of city were pure gold like transparent glass, which speaks of unspotted glory. Revelations chapter 21, 22, and 23. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need a sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Certain things are missing from the city. No temple is necessary because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are there. There is no sun or moon because the glory of God illuminates it, and the Lamb is the lamp. Let's look at chapter 21, 24. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Gentile nations will enjoy its beauty, and the kings of the earth will come with their tribute to the Lord. Chapter 21, verses 25. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. There are no closed gates because there is a perfect security and freedom of access. There is no night there. It is a land of fadeless day. Let's look at chapter 21, 26. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. As mentioned, the wealth of the nations will flow into the city and all their glory and honor. Chapter 21, 27, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Nothing unclean will ever enter there, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelations 21, verses 1 and 2, Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing through the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for healing for the nations. A pure river of water of life flows from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street. On either side of the river grows the tree of life and its twelve kinds of fruit, no longer forbidden. This suggests God's ceaseless provision for every season. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations is a figurative way of saying that they will enjoy perpetual health. Revelations 22, 3 and 5. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Chapter 22, verse 6, The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sends the angels to show the servants the things that will soon take place. The interpreting angel reminds John again of the trustworthiness of all that he has revealed. The Lord God has sent his angels to show his servants the panorama of events that may shortly take place. Chapter 22, verse 7. Look, 
I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. The climax, the high point of all of it, will be the glorious advent of the Savior. He assures us that he will come quickly. That may mean either soon or suddenly, but soon to prefer. A special blessing is given to each one who keeps the words of this prophecy. We can do this by living in the hope of his coming. Chapter 22, verses 8 and 9. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard them and seen them, I fell down to worship the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with that fellow prophets and with all who keep the words on this scroll. Worship God. When John saw and heard these things, he fell down at the angel's feet, but he was forbidden to do so. The angel was only a creating being. Only God should be worshipped. Chapter 22, verse 10. Then he told me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, because the time is near. John was not to seal up the prophecy because the time of fulfillment was near. To seal here means to postpone disclosure. Chapter 22, verse 11. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. When the time of fulfillment comes, the unjust will be fixed in their impenitence. The filthy will have no longer further chance to change when the Lord returns to earth. But the righteous will continue to live righteously, and the holy to live in holiness. Let's look at Revelations chapter 22, verses 12 and 13. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Again, the Lord announces His soon coming, this time with the promise of reward to each according to His work. Again, He identifies Himself as the Alpha and the Omega. The same one who created all things will draw the curtain on the stage of time. Let's look at chapter 22, verses 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they have the right to the tree of life, and may go through the gates into the city. This verse may read, Blessed are those who do his commandments, or blessed are those who wash their robes. Neither reading teaches salvation by works, but rather works as a fruit, a proof of salvation. Only true believers have access to the tree of life and to the eternal city. Let's look at chapter 22, verse 15. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Forever excluded from heaven will be dogs, sorcerers, the sexual immoral, murderers, idolaters, and liars. Dogs here may refer to male prostitutes, unclean Gentiles, or Judaizers. Chapter 22, verse 16, I, Jesus, has sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The Lord sent his angel with this message to the churches. He speaks of himself as the root and the offspring of David. As his deity, he is David's creator. As his humanity, he is David's descendant. The bright and morning star appears in the sky before the sun rises. 
Christ will come to the church as a bright and morning star, that is, at the rapture. Later he will come to the earth as a son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Chapter 22, verse 17, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. There are two ways of understanding this verse. First, it may be a gospel appealing throughout with the Spirit, the bride, the hearer urging the thirsty to come to Christ for salvation. Or the first three uses of the word come may be prayers for Christ to return, followed by two invitations to the unsaved to come to him for the water of life, which is salvation, and thus be ready for his return. Revelations chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. If men add to the things written to this book of revelations, they will suffer plagues described in it. Since the subjects of this book are woven into the Bible, the verse in effect condemns any tampering with God's word. A similar judgment is pronounced on anyone who takes away from the words of this prophecy. This does not apply to minor differences or interpretation, but is an outright attack on the inspiration and completeness of the Bible. The penalty is eternal doom. God shall take away his part from the tree of life. It means that he will never share in the blessing of those who have eternal life. Let's look at chapter 22 verses 20. He who testifies to these things say, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Revelations closes with a promise and a blessing. The promise is that the Lord Jesus is coming quickly. As mentioned previously, this could mean soon or suddenly. The hope of a sudden return would not excite the same anticipation or watchfulness as the hope of a soon return. Every redeemed person responds to the blessed hope. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Just as Genesis is the book of beginnings, so Revelation is the book of consummation. Subjects that were introduced in the first book are brought to fruitation in the last. Let's look at chapter 22, verses 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. And now we come to the final blessing of this wonderful book of Revelation and of the Word of God. It is a peaceful close to a book filled with thunders of divine judgment. John wishes for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with God's people. Amen. I'd like to finish by giving everyone a chance to know Jesus better. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Prayer salvation is our first real conversation with God. The prayer salvation is the most important prayer you'll ever pray. When you're ready to become a Christian, you're ready to have our first real conversation with God. And these are the components. We acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God and that He came to the earth as a man in order to live the sinful life that we could not live. That He died in our place so that we would not have to pay the penalty we deserve. We confess our past life of sin, living for ourselves and not obeying God. 
We admit that we are ready to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. We ask Jesus to come into our heart, take up residence there, and begin living through us. It begins with faith in God. When we pray the prayer of salvation, we're letting God know we believe that His Word is true. By the faith that He has given us, we choose to believe in Him. The Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 So when we pray, asking God for the gift of salvation, we're exercising our free will to acknowledge that we believe in Him. That demonstration of faith pleases God because we have freely chosen to know Him. We are confessing our sin. When we pray the prayer of salvation, we're admitting that we've sinned. As the Bible says of everyone, saved through Christ alone, for all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. To sin is simply falling short of the mark, as an arrow that does not quite hit the bullseye. The glory of God that we fell short of is found only in Jesus Christ. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.6 so the prayer of salvation then recognizes that Jesus Christ is the only human who ever lived without sin. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 What we are doing is we are professing faith in Christ as Savior and Lord. With Christ as our standard of perfection, we're now acknowledging him as God. Agreeing with the Apostle John that in the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. Because God could only accept a sinless sacrifice because He knew that we could not possibly accomplish that. He sent His Son to die for us and pay the eternal price. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. Listen, if you want to say it today and mean it with your heart, don't wait a moment longer to start your new life with Jesus Christ. Remember, this prayer is not a magical formula. You are simply expressing your heart to God. And if you'd like to do that, Pray this prayer with me. Father, I know that I have broken your laws and my sins have separated me from you. I am truly sorry and I now want to turn away from my past sinful life towards you. Please forgive me and help me avoid sinning again. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins, was resurrected from the dead, is alive, and hears my prayers today. I invite Jesus to become the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. Please send your Holy Spirit to help me obey you and to do your will for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So now you've prayed this and you're probably thinking, I prayed it, now what happens? If you prayed this prayer of salvation with true conviction in your heart, you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. This is a fact. Whether or not you feel any different, you are. Some religious systems may lead you to believe that you might feel something like a warm glow, a tingling, or some mystical experience. In fact, you might and you might not. If you have prayed the prayer of salvation and you meant it, you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that your eternal salvation is secure. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans 10.9. 
So welcome to the family of God. We encourage you to find a local Bible-based church where you can fellowship with other believers and grow in the knowledge of God through His Word, the Bible. This ministry is listener-supported. If you feel that you have benefited from this message from God, please consider helping to support this ministry and give a gift of any amount so we can continue to spread the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit on this platform. Go to JesusIsTheVoiceOfTruth.com and may the Lord richly bless you, your family, and friends. Until next time, God bless. And remember, Jesus is the voice of truth. I hope you enjoyed today's program. If you have any prayer requests or questions about Jesus is the voice of truth, we encourage you to email us at voiceoftruth411 at gmail.com or visit our website at jesusisthevoiceoftruth.com. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to being with you next time. Have a blessed day.